Now we are going to read from the book of Acts this morning, Acts 28, and we're going to start at verse 23. So Paul here is talking to the local Jewish leaders and he's currently under guard in Rome. So they, being the local Jewish leaders, arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and they began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I'm going to start by praying. God, please take our time now and make it useful to you. Please build in us a confidence. Uh, Please forgive us for times when our lives have been lived in alignment with our own purposes and what we are trying to do in the world. Um, Please change us so that we would be on about what you are doing in the world. God, thank you so much that we can be used by you. What a privilege that is. Amen. Amen. Well, I'd love to pick up where Andrew left off last week. He preached from 1 Corinthians 15 about the work of the Lord not being in vain. Uh, And I think sometimes when we come to that theme of whether or not I ought to give myself to the work of the Lord fully, we come across a different objection buried deep in our minds or maybe for you actually a little bit more at the forefront. And it goes like this. Why would I give myself fully to the work of the Lord since religion's kind of on the way out anyway? Why would I give myself fully to the work of the Lord? Because, you know, churches were great for a little while, weren't they? But really, they're getting older and smaller, right? Why would I give myself fully to the work of the Lord when faith is probably destined to move out of the public sphere and just become kind of a cute private internal affair anyway? The big question is, isn't religion on the way out and hasn't Christianity kind of had its heyday already? 
And if you're tuning in on the live stream, you might even uh, be considering the things of faith yourself, and you might have picked up uh, a bunch of threads in the media, or maybe you've come to believe these things, that um, Christianity really is past its best. And church, well, that's a thing of the past. You would probably have some basis for saying that as well. Uh, If you've been looking at the census results that are published every couple of years, uh, back in 2006, it was 19% of Australia that said, I have no religion. Uh, But by 2016, so about 10 years later, there had been an 11 percentage point rise. So we've gone from 19% to 30% of Australia saying that I have no religion. So that was in 2016. By now in 2020, surely that's something like one out of three or higher Australians would say, I have no religion. And at the same time, the amount of people who are saying that they are Christian in some sense has always consistently been dropping. And you look around at some churches uh, And they don't seem to be um, full of young people and new life. They seem to be aging and even getting smaller. And uh, there are churches closing every year in Australia. You could look at the state of faith, the state of uh, the gospel message in Australia, and you could be quite discouraged. In fact, this line of secularization can be traced all the way back to John Lennon. Right, 1966, John Lennon said this, Christianity will go, it will vanish and shrink. I needn't argue about that. I'm right and I will be proved right. That's John Lennon, 1966. Uh, Lots of people deep down have come to believe that Australia is just on a trajectory to becoming more and more secular and Christianity is just eventually going to disappear. What's fascinating though is that a bunch of proponents at the academic level of the secularization thesis, that everything's becoming more secular, recently have started to pull back from that. Why is that? One of the things to note is to look at global Christianity. You might have heard these encouraging stories that are coming out of places like South America or Africa or or even China, which some people say is on track to be the country with the most Christians in it in not too long. It it can actually be quite a Western-oriented thing to say we're moving towards secularization. Because it might be true if you look at some Scandinavian countries or some other European countries, the stats are down. But globally... Christianity does seem to be moving forward in some very significant ways. And then you come to Australia. And what I find fascinating is churches just like yours, that nobody seems to write up a big newspaper article about, and yet you're quietly going about reaching new people, building people deeper in the faith, And among organizations like Reach Australia, um, news of what is happening on places like the Central Coast is spreading to the great encouragement of a lot of other churches. Because it helps us to believe that actually maybe Christianity does have a bright future. And all of that is undergirded by something a lot more solid. A lot more solid than just stats or case studies. It's actually the trajectory of world history that God has set in his word, which is why I asked for Acts 28 to be read 
this morning. Uh, Because much more solid than looking around at you guys or looking at some stats is to say, it actually seems that God has set the world on a trajectory in which his gospel is going out. And that is the prime thing that is happening in the world right now. Even if it doesn't always feel like it when you're just pottering around on the central coast. The key verse that I'd love to spend some time in today is Acts 28, 28. If you do have a Bible, I'd love you to put a little finger or a footnote there. Uh, Acts 28, 28, it says this. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will Listen, if you're a title person or a note taker person, here's where we're going today. First point, they. Second point, will. Third point, listen. You think I'm joking. That's the structure. Now, uh, in the original language, that's uh, less than three words. But for us, it breaks up very neatly into three different things. I'd love to help you understand who is the they. Then we're going to take a look at world history and see whether this prediction, this promise, this assertion actually has resonated as truthful. And finally, we're going to talk about how people come to listen. Uh, And if you're someone who's um, considering the things of faith or you're just checking out Christianity and church isn't your usual place, maybe even you're watching in online, I'd love you to reconsider that idea that the Christian faith is just eventually going to go away. So let's begin with our first point they. Uh, And to understand who the they is in verse 28, you need to understand where the passage fits in the whole. So we're at the back end of the book of Acts. Now, Acts follows on from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is where Jesus did his thing, uh, culminating in dying on the cross, rising again to prove that it worked. He ascends to heaven, and the book of Acts really kicks off around about that point. Uh, His disciples try to uh, share that message, try to spread it, Uh, And one of the key people who becomes a follower of Jesus is a guy called Paul. Uh, And Paul actually arouses so much persecution against himself for the message that he is spreading uh, that he ends up having to exercise his rights as a Roman citizen to appeal to Caesar to kind of get out of the punishment that he was about to receive. But the problem was he was in the Middle East at the time, so they've got to put him on a boat with some guards and they've got to take him to Caesar in Rome. So we pick that up in verse uh, in chapter 28. Paul's on a boat. He gets to Rome in about at verse 11 or something like that. Uh, and then verse 17, they say that he's put, he's put under house arrest. So he's a political prisoner. He's got some guards, but people are allowed to visit him. Now, when he shows up to Rome, the Jewish leaders in Rome have heard about this guy. And so they go to check it out. They go to meet this uh, political figure. They go to meet this high profile person, Paul, at his house. And that happens in verses 17 to 22 or thereabouts. Uh, And the result of that first meeting is that they basically just call a second meeting. It sounds kind of like a very efficient workplace. And so at the second meeting, they all show up in greater number. And that's where we picked up the reading today. So we're in Acts chapter 28, verse 23, if you would like to look along. They, so that group of Jewish leaders, arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. 
He witnessed to them from morning till evening, that's a long sermon, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. There was a divided response. Some believed, some disbelieved. Verse 25, they disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. This is his climactic statement. This is how he finished his sermon. Quite controversial, not the heartwarming kind of finish that we're used to. He says, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth through your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused and they hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. And then he comes to his climactic declaration in verse 28. Therefore, I, Paul, want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. Now, um, if you were a Jewish leader, you would have been forgiven at that point for thinking that God was mostly interested just in your ethnic people. But at this point, Paul says, hey, you guys are rejecting this message, but the message is going to go to the Gentiles. Gentiles is anyone who's not a Jew. So I'm going to presume that most of us in the room right now would be classed as Gentiles. And in contrast to the people standing directly in front of him, Paul says, those Gentiles to which we're going to take the message, they will listen. You guys aren't listening. They will. And so I'm going to take the message about Jesus, his death and resurrection to them. So if the question is, who is the they who will listen? The answer is Gentiles. Now, that can't mean Every single Gentile ever is going to listen to and accept the message about Jesus because you and I all know Gentiles who have not done that, whether they're family or friends or workmates or whatever. But it does seem to indicate what Paul is saying there is that among the Gentiles, there will be a trajectory, there will be a pattern where the gospel will be preached and some will accept. That's the pattern that he sets for world history. So I said we've got three points today. First point, they. Second point, will. Third point, listen. We've done they. We're up to will. And I would love to use some maps as an illustration for this next point. They're going to come up on the screens. The question I'd love to ask is, did it happen? Was Paul right? Did the Gentiles listen? How does that bear out in human history? And to help us with that, hopefully you can see this on the live stream as well. Uh, I've got a couple of maps that show the, um, I don't like the word expansion, but you know, the progression of Christianity um, through uh, world history, really, for the last 2,000 years. Uh, All you need to know is that the darker the color, the more Christians. So right now in AD 100, there's a little bit of yellow scattered throughout and around about the Middle East. The gospel has gone out a little bit. A couple of Gentiles have listened, but watch what happens by the year AD 500. It starts to spread and it starts to take a deeper route. If we keep on pushing forward, we get to 
AD 1000, and particularly the gospel seems to spread a lot to the east. Uh, If we continue on in world history, we get to 1750. And the gospel has begun to be, uh, tra- be, be taken around, being traveled. We continue on. We get to AD 1910, and it's found its way even to our country. And, and one of the things that I love so much about seeing that, if we pull up the final figure as well, is to think about where we sit currently in world geography. And to think, you know, with the exception of maybe New Zealand, which we love, We've got to be about as far as you can get from the geographical epicenter of where Jesus did his thing, aren't we? And yet, on a Sunday morning, despite kind of having some restrictions still in place, we are eager to gather here to worship him, to think about the things of Christ. Isn't that a phenomenal spread? And doesn't that bear out the truth that what Paul asserted has been true so far. And I'm not convinced that 2020 or 2021 is the year that that pattern is going to finish. What God has been doing through human history is spreading his message. In in fact, it says in the Bible that um, God's patience means salvation. God's patience means salvation. That's in the context of a bunch of believers really longing for Jesus to come back already, to take us to the new heavens and earth, to finish this whole earthly existence up and to move us on to the new and better thing. And the writer responds and says, God's patience means salvation. His patience in not yet sending Jesus back means salvation for those who have not yet come to worship him, but might do so in 5, 10, 15 years. The delay in Jesus' return is significantly because there's more people to be saved first. There are more Gentiles who will listen. And the years will show that. What I hope you're getting from this is firstly challenging that idea that religion is just going away. And secondly, beginning to give us a confident expectation in the message that this church is built upon. That this message really does resonate with people. And that there really are people living on the central coast right now who have never set foot in here or haven't really been to a church for ages, haven't really been thinking about the things of Christ, but in 5, 10, 15 years, they will. Maybe someone in this room will share the gospel with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, and we will see them also come to faith. It's been happening already, and it's been happening for 2,000 years. Let's move on to the third and final thing. First point, they. Second point, will. Third point, listen. Listen. Now, when uh, Paul says they will listen, he doesn't necessarily mean, okay, there will be... uh, kind of sound waves in their eardrums and they'll resonate. And uh, Listen in the Bible seems to have more of an accepting kind of quality. So a parent might say to their child, you're listening to me, but you're not listening. You haven't really accepted what I've said. Uh, when Paul says they will listen, he, he kind of means they will believe. But 
let's ask ourselves a bit of a niggly question. How do people come to listen? What causes people to listen, believe in the good news about Jesus? And what's particularly on display here? Now, let me preface all of this by saying that when someone becomes a Christian, it's because of the work of the Spirit in their heart. They are born again, and nobody comes to the gospel just through techniques or reasoning. Or God has to change the heart of someone for them to become a believer. Now, I've said that, and we get that from other parts of the Scripture, but what is on display in this passage, I'd love you to look at verse 23. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And watch what Paul does. He does three things. Firstly, he witnessed to them from morning till evening. Second thing he did was he was explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law and the prophets, he tried to, third thing, persuade them about Jesus. Now, I think this speaks to a very help, speaks very helpfully to a very unhelpful error that some Christians fall into, which is this. All I need to do is just say something true about Jesus and the cross. I'll say it once, and if God doesn't choose to use it, then I guess I've done, I've done my job. My hands are clean. It doesn't really matter. I, I, I've, I've been true and I've been faithful and God will do his thing if he wants to. I would call that lazy evangelism. Sometimes even very well inspired and with good reasoning, but it doesn't quite match the way that Paul did it. And all throughout the book of Acts, you see that Paul doesn't simply show up somewhere say a couple of sentences about Jesus and then leave and hope that it works, what he does is a lot more involved. He seems to really desperately care about these people standing in front of him and whether or not they accept the message that he's bringing. So the kind of basic thing he does first up is he witnessed to them. So he says true things about Jesus. He proclaims it. It's kind of a bit more of a one-way kind of word. He witnessed to them. But the second thing he does is then he explains it. So he clarifies, and they've been going all day. So I'm going to presume this wasn't just an all-day sermon. There was probably a lot of dialogue going back and forth. Maybe he, he was even kind of helping them understand some things that he hadn't explained very clearly, or they might have had some objections, and he was kind of trying to work them through the objections. But third and finally, what he does is he tried to persuade them. He wasn't just interested in doing his job and then stepping back. And he was really interested in actually helping the person to get there to believe themselves. He really wanted them to leave the discussion persuaded. He was doing anything but lazy evangelism. Paul deeply cared about the people in front of him and desperately wanted them to listen in the believing sense. I think that's a very helpful corrective for us. And at the same time, we never say that, you know, if you, if you are just a great persuader or if you're a great explainer of the gospel, then that will do everything because we also know that God is the one who works to open people's hearts and to give them a new heart. 
And so when we ask, how do people come to listen, what this passage particularly emphasizes is the role of the sharer. And you don't have to be Paul and you don't have to be someone with a microphone to share the gospel, to witness and to explain and to persuade. You have a role as well in reaching Australia. You have a role as well in seeing more and more Gentiles listen because I am just not convinced yet that 2020 or 2021 is the year that the pattern those maps gave us is going to finish up. And so let me finish with this. World history tells us that the spread of Jesus' message about his death on the cross for our sin and his resurrection to prove that it worked, one day Jesus will come back. The book of Acts begins with Jesus rising again, uh, uh, um, ascending to heaven. One day he's going to come back from there. And his patience means salvation. What God is doing right now is reaching the world. Let's say for us, what God is doing right now is reaching Australia. And so you and I, I think we can take a confident expectation that there are people walking around the central coast today whose hearts are not warm to the things of faith, but in 5, 10, 15 years they will be. And that by God's grace, he might use some people in this room or on this live stream to bring that about. I'd love to pray. Join with me. God, we worship you as um, the one who created everything. You're over everything. You sustain everything. You knew COVID was coming. You know when it will end. And, and we know that one day Jesus will come back and that it will be a scary day. It will be a fearsome day. It will be a dramatic day. We ask that you would help us to live in a way that is ready for that. And, and we, ask us, we, we ask that you would use us to bring others to a point where that day would actually go really well for them instead of really horribly. And please would you... Um, bring more people to faith. Thank you for the people you have been bringing to faith. And please take us deeper in that faith while we're here. And God, we love you. You are so good to us. We worship you. Amen.